Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 194, episode one of Your Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It's Monday, July 19th, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. I got my vaccination last week, just like we always talked about. You were so excited for me to finally get up out the house. But today I checked on the case counts, (laughs) crying because they keep going up. And I know we weren't perfect, but I told you I'd demask for no one. (laughs) And I just can't imagine how you can be so okay listening to QAnon. Guess you lied when you told me that you got your vaccine. But you picked up COVID. Now I sit alone and just tweet. All right. That is courtesy of Just Gleasoning at CK Gleason. Uh, and I'm thrilled to be joined by today's extra, very special guest co host, the brilliant, the talented Joel Moni. Yo. Uh, okay, so I felt bad because I was too hungover to create a song this morning. <laughs> but that song was so fucking brilliant that we didn't need another one. Like, yeah. I, and, and the last time I was on here, I also did an Olivia Rodrigo piece. So it was just, uh, it just felt right. It was spiritual. It was good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She she's doing the work uh, both on this show for vaccination purposes and at the White House in the officially. actual White House in yeah. vintage Chanel, no less. Get it, girl. Yeah. I think I feel like if she knew that I was going to do that, AKA, she might not have even needed to go to the White House. <laughs> she but... like Jack's got this covered. I can take a break today. <laughs> well, Joelle, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by a very funny comedian uh, who's been featured on the Today Show, Cosmo. I was oh? named by Refinery29 as one of 50 female comedians. You need to know uh, she also happens to be a board certified physician. Please welcome <laughs> Priyanka Wally. What's up? Thank you so much. I'm so stoked to be here. We're excited to have you. Yeah. So I have to assume that being a physician has been difficult over these past couple of years. I mean, that's one way to put it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I remember when I was younger, my dad was like, Priyanka, if you become a physician, like you're you're always going to have job security. Like, you'll never have to worry about having a job. And then when the pandemic hit, I was like, this wasn't exactly what I had in mind. <laughs> right. <laughs> you weren't like, yes. Right. Uh, right. I wasn't yeah, like yeah. chomping at the bit, but I don't know what to say. I mean, people need help. There's yeah. lots of people that don't get access to really good health care. So, I mean, I'm not saying you know, one doctor can make a difference or anything, but I every little thing helps, you know? Yeah. People need and don't want help, uh, apparently, is the, <laughs> is the new trend in America. Yeah. Yeah, Keep totally. your vaccine out of my arm, Bill Gates. All right. Well, Priyanka, <laughs> we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about. Uh, we are, of course, going to talk about COVID-19 back in L.A. County and especially yeah. in Tokyo, um, not great. We'll talk about what's being termed Wuanon, which is the QAnon invasion into the wellness world, particularly in Southern California. But uh, it's also called Pastel QAnon. It's sort of the uh, Instagramification of uh, QAnon and like making it pretty and part of that whole movement, that whole world. Joel is going to finally uh, say enough is enough with the uh, Marvel slander. Uh, boom, she's gonna, boom, she's boom. I'm coming gonna through let us with know. the hard facts about Loki. I wish Miles were here so I could tell him to his face, but he gonna. I'm going to send him this immediately afterwards. Be like, yeah, Yo, yeah. We have words to exchange. Did he even watch it? Or what was... What, I, I forget what he even... Did he have like a real spicy take on Loki? Yeah, he was basically just like dismissing it outright mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. just loki but the full mcu and i've been listen right we, right yeah he's like eh, i'm not interested no right. no okay. no wrong wrong decisions incorrect <laughs> sir uh we're gonna talk about texas rebooting trump's border wall we're gonna talk 
about California approving $35 million in guaranteed income, uh, mm. which is exciting. Some good yeah. news. And we'll talk about uh, Luca, which was a massive hit in the streaming world, and also Army of the Dead, which was the last kind of movie to open like a blockbuster on streaming. I finally watched that shit. Very weird. So we'll talk about that. Plenty more. But first, Priyanka, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history? Yeah. So I had to look this up and <laughs> it was, why is caviar so expensive? Mm. Oh, why Why did you have to look it up? It, it's really expensive. And I, I would love <laughs> to be eating more caviar because I think there's a lot of really good nutritional benefits. But it's it's ridiculously expensive. So I had started this, but then of course I got distracted. I never finished the article. So, <laughs> but it, it, it's a very, so no like, de- it's a, it's a very like intricate process where they extract eggs from the sturgeon and, mm. and now sturgeon are endangered. So they only use farm sturgeon. Uh... And so, yeah, I, I guess that, you know, it's, it's like this luxury good item. I mean, it's like, it's like the Louis Vuitton of the food industry, apparently. Yeah. And and you just like get this much and it's it's like a it's really expensive. It's like over a hundred dollars for like just a little bit. And well, so and it'll totally to me, set I'm your like, meal why? Over the top. Why? <laughs> it's so tasty. Like, right. yeah. it's like, like eat this yeah. stuff. Yeah. I was like, I'm not eating fish eggs. Like I've seen how they're extracted and it looks vile. I'm not interested. And then they would put it on some lobster mac and cheese. And that was it. I was like, I'm sold. <laughs> yeah. I'm a full convert. Yeah. Delicious. Did not know it was healthy. Crazy. Right under that then was best outdoor lunch spots near me. Because <laughs> yeah. you got to eat outdoor when you're eating your caviar. You got to flex yeah. on the on the people. Yeah. Uh, full disclosure, I have not had caviar in a very, very long time. But I very much would love to if I could get access to i want cheap caviar yeah yeah you i know? have a uh caviar connect i'll, I'll hook you up with all what get out of here <laughs> no i'm just joking i do not <laughs> you're like friends with the sturgeon basically <laughs> but, yeah exactly she's very productive the <laughs> i feel like you would not want black market caviar maybe but maybe i'm right. underrating the uh black market caviar world. i know like these like under the table eggs mm. I I like salmon row. I feel like that's a little Yeah, salmon row is like a nice like affordable kind of option, right? Cuz it's yeah. I think it's relatively inexpensive and nutritionally you do get kind of the same benefits. There's lots of omegas and all this stuff, but but that coveted sturgeon mm. caviar, that it's that it's the idea of wanting something that you can't have. You know, I'm sure if mm-hmm, caviar mm-hmm. was like really cheap, I wouldn't be like you know, thinking about that. So, yeah. Yeah. Salmon row is like nature's boba. I feel like that <laughs> gives you the little boba. What is something uh, you think is overrated? Oh, man. So, you know, when I heard you guys were going to ask me this, I really went back and forth because by definition, like no matter what I say, it will like isolate like it will cause uprest in one one crop population because by default the fact that something is overrated means that there is a significant population that likes it. So I realize like no matter what I say, people will be like, "Oh hell no, this bitch didn't say that." So I went back and forth and I came up with all these things and then finally I honed it down to Pokemon cards. Because oh. I think Pokemon cards are ridiculously overrated they're worth like hundreds to thousands of dollars depending on what kind of card you have and it's like it's piece of paper it's a card and yet this is like this is like a whole industry on it and i think that's crazy i think that's totally nuts now you've stepped in it (laughs) (laughs) so many thoughts yeah right like i I agree with you because at one point target said it's so out of control we can no longer sell pokemon cards that's crazy that makes no sense i never read the history of like baseball cards horror shop being like y'all are acting too wild in these streets we're just not going to sell them anymore we're done cut off yeah also isn't it like target's job to get people to target so like, is it, isn't, that what you, isn't that the whole goal? 
What? <laughs> what was like too many. Sorry, we've I mean, had enough customers. Target already has such a high threshold for holding lots of people, right? It's like a, mm-hmm. it's like a, it's a like muted down version of Costco. Yes, without samples and. Yeah, to even have Target be like, "Whoa, okay, guys, we need a tone. This is a bit much for us." You know that that says so much about the consciousness of our our population. Yeah, it's wild. They also, play, I mean, though. not just the Pokemon cards, but like, let's not forget that when what was that video the that app on the phone was it Pokemon Go or that game? Oh yeah, where mm-hmm. people yeah. died. Yeah. There were literally there was loss of life over this. I mean, that's that to me says a lot. Yeah, it was not the CIA's deadliest uh, operation, but it was it was uh, you know for for a uh, app it wasn't great for I a mean, CIA op, which it probably was. But like real talk though, what other apps have actually killed human beings? Yeah, that's a good question. Uber quite a bit. Okay, mm, yes, mm. Uber. All the social media ones. That's fine, um, all the social media. Okay, Did Craigslist yeah. ever make it to an app? Craigslist? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm sure yeah. there's a Craigslist Oh, maybe it app. didn't, actually. I don't know. If Craigslist did make it to an app, it's probably the most murderous app. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. Right, for sure. But which gaming app has actually killed mm. people? Yeah, that's a good question. So. Candy Crush probably killed people. It's like if you if you add up all the time that Candy Crush has made disappear, it's like Whoa. probably caused people to die of old age. Right. If you, if you think about it that way. But, yeah. Um, I mean, Candy Crush has definitely like been a contributor to destroying the fabric of our society. Right. For sure. <laughs> what is something you think is underrated? Yeah. So this was uh, actually a lot easier for me to answer. And honestly, I think meditation is really underrated because it's something you can do on your own. You don't need to like buy something in order to meditate. It involves breathing and it actually is like there's so much data about how mindfulness practices can improve health outcomes and wellness. And and I'm not talking about like the wellness industry. I'm just talking about like sitting and being with your feelings is a type of meditation or t- taking deep breaths is another kind of meditation. But I think meditation as an as a form of therapy, if you will, it's it's affordable. It has benefits. What harm can come from that? I think this is like seriously a super underrated thing. I think we should be like teaching this in schools, you know, just like spreading the word. I think we should have work accommodations so that people can take meditation breaks. I think the world would just be a better place if there were more people meditating and fewer people playing Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) There's like a lot of studies, too, where they replace, you know, detention with meditation, right? And the overall improvement of these kids from a discipline perspective over time and it's just like i just started meditating seriously maybe two or three weeks ago and it's oh nice it's crazy how fast the change is like it's the first thing i do when i wake up i did have to buy i have adhd so i bought um like a guided meditation thing so that i wouldn't wander too far off the the thinking path sure but it's it's just as far as like getting set for your day but also you know if you find yourself in a overly emotional state and being like, I'm just going to remove myself and sit and think for a second. It's you're right. It just, it's completely changes your perspective and ability to handle difficult situations, difficult, emotional things. I'm a very emotional person. So oftentimes I'm like, this is just too much. But instead of sort of like letting it overwhelm you, you can just go meditate for a few minutes and it's, it's transformative. Yeah. And here's the thing, right? Like the world is full of problems. Like we all have issues whether it's within your own self or interpersonal issues. But the here's the thing about changing. You can't change what you can't see. And if if there's no self-awareness, mm-hmm. then you can't change your behavior. And meditation is one of the basic, most simple tasks you can do to at least make the effort to become more self-aware by just noticing 
the thoughts that you're having, the emotions that you're having. If you you can't change a problem if you can't see the problem, right? Right. That makes yeah, so totally. Sense. I do want to say it. So meditation can be cheap, but if you want to do it correctly, you do have to buy my meditation sportswear <laughs> and meditation <laughs> sports drinks, uh, which help you with the meditation process and make you meditate harder than you've ever meditated <laughs> oh before. My God. Right. I'm actually wearing a meditation headband, sweatband <laughs> yeah, exactly. right now. <laughs> you two oh. can win at meditation. I do wonder uh, how much the lack of like meditation being woven into our day-to-day lives is that meditation makes you a worse consumer because I feel like a lot of our consumption as members of a capitalist culture is like compulsive and an attempt to uh, fill a hole that meditation actually requires you to take a look at and like become familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. I love that point. I mean, yeah, is meditation this anti-capitalist sort of entity? And to be honest, like emotions... They change with the wind. They change con- constantly. And if you develop enough self-awareness that you're not sort of controlled by your emotions, what does that mean? That's freedom. Yes. And, right. you know, when it comes to controlling societies, the last thing you want are your constituents to to be free, right? Because it's harder to control them. So, yeah, I think it's that's such a really interesting perspective. So meditation is a form of protest, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Yes. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And so is COVID-19, baby. So L.A. County on Saturday night, this past Saturday, Uh, We went back to having to wear masks again, masking up. And then in sort of a more broad international scope, the Tokyo Olympics is uh, a little less than a week away. And it's it's just not going well, you guys. It's It's so frustrating, Jack, because knowing that this could have been like very much one and done. If somebody mm. had had the tenacity to be like, everyone go inside for four months. Don't, mm. don't go outside. We're going to mask up. Just be really, really responsible. Here's like PPE for, to get everybody through the next four months. Eradicate it. Get back out there. Have fun. It, 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 and then to yeah. be like, we knew that the minute they were like, okay, you're good to go back out with your mask. I'm like, it's not done yet. But new yeah. variants coming in. My friend works for the CDC and she was like, no, guys, like seriously don't. Delta virus is coming even if you're vaccinated, must be safe. So when they when they then announced, oh, masks have to go back on. I'm like, it's a, you, we've crossed the threshold mm-hmm. of back and forth. I feel very strongly that people are like, I'm done now. They they mm-hmm. just don't want to, to take the precautions. And it's scary. And now, of course, our numbers are going back up. And it's making everything like flip and reverse to people who thought they were going to finally become financially stable and they were mm-hmm. going to get back to like having these like steady jobs where they could like be out in the world, you know, and I'm talking everything from like hairstylists to to photographers to anything like that's very basic requires you to be in person. You know, all of those lives are now again in upheaval, and and it's I don't understand why we have to keep going back and forth. Like I really wish we could just be like we're just gonna stay locked down until this is resolved. Mm-hmm. Did you guys see this? Is this is really random but did you guys see on social media i don't know what channel but this was like early 2020 when people were like hell no i'm not gonna wear a mask or like (laughs) i can't breathe in those masks like it doesn't feel comfortable and did you guys ever see on social media someone was like if you're a straight guy and you don't want to wear a mask because you don't like the way it feels on your face. You've basically just outed yourself as someone that's never eaten someone out. <laughs> and like, way to go. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> what? I don't like it. I hate it. It feels bad. I can't breathe. I need my face free. I'm feeling a man when I do this. It's a problem. Um... <laughs> so 
On Thursday, last Thursday, uh, the president of the International Olympic Committee, Thomas Bach, insisted that there was no risk that the games would spread infection. <laughs> and uh, there have been 30 total confirmed cases, like just within either athletes or planning committee members. And the U.S. basketball is like starting shooting guard Bradley Beal had to go into COVID protocol and will not be able to be a part of the Olympics. It's just, it feels like we're watching, you know, it feels like a lot of stories and moments have felt throughout this pandemic, like we're just watching something mm -hmm. in slow motion happen. The power of capitalism has become so, it's not a mystery anymore to me, I guess. Before I was like, oh, yeah, that's a system and I, I, I've, I've always lived under it and I'm not sure like what would replace it and blah, blah. Mm -hmm. The drive to make money in the face, because I can't solve for X. Like, what kind of person who has any level of intelligence says the pandemic can't touch us? We're going right. to bring people from all over the world. It's still going on, but there's no way it'll spread here. What, right. I, there's no, I don't know if that's, you know, is it stupidity? Is it pride? Or is it literally just we have to make money and we don't know what else to do. Like, you're the Olympics. Like you'll, you'll get more money in a couple of years and you don't have stake in anything. You make the city, you choose pay for everything. So what is really the problem here? Incredibly yeah. confusing to me. Well, who pays for the Olympics? Is it the, the hosting city? So, I mean, there's probably like a, a pretty complicated weaving of corporate interests who are sponsoring it with the planning committees, with the local government. But, it has a lot of a lot of money tied up in it. Interesting. Yeah. So last Friday, uh, the organizing committee reported four new infections among Olympic related personnel, uh, which brings that to 30 total confirmed cases this month. There's 21 South African rugby players went into isolation after being identified as close contacts of an infected person on their flight. And again, just have to Read that quote one more time from the uh, president of the International Olympic Committee, that there is no risk that the games would spread infections. So I wonder if some of the because some of the sports, the Olympic sports are like isolated events, like they're just one person. I don't know. I don't know what they do now to, to throw a javelin or something. Yeah. So <laughs> I wonder if they like evacuated the entire stadium to allow the like one COVID positive athlete to like throw <laughs> right. his javelin and then they like disinfect the whole stadium and then they like wait a week and they allow the next person to come in. They could have yeah. like a really pro prolonged Olympic. Yeah, it, that sounds great. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I hope somebody's able to pull that off. <laughs> it just it sounds like it's going to be such a mess. Yeah, that's too bad. I hope no one no one dies from right. from it. Have you like it it does seem like young people are we're, we're having a hard time get to getting young people on board the vaccination train. Yeah. I have a theory about that because like kids don't typically watch the news and there's not like mm. a solid source space source to like get them the information they need to get vaccinated. I know a lot of them aren't aware that it's free. You can just walk into Walgreens mm -hmm. and get your shot and be done with it. And I think also a lot of misinformation at the top of the pandemic of like children can't catch it uh, has thrown a lot of them into just being indifferent about mm -hmm. it. And then, of course, you know, if you're young, you just tend to be more reckless anyhow. But I've, yeah, I've, I think a lot of young people think they're invincible. I mean, I, I was never like that because I think learning about medical illnesses i was just like afraid all the time so like when covid <laughs> when covid happened it was just like business as usual for me but yeah like i think there's a you know young folks think they'll they'll live forever right forever young <laughs> <laughs> they'll just be a cold but it's not just a cold kids it's not <laughs> people your age have died from this it's yeah horrifying. yeah yeah go get the shot it doesn't hurt that's really hard, too, especially when I read about, like, kids' kids dying mm -hmm. from it. I think that's a, that's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Well, speaking of spreading misinformation, we've talked recently about ways that QAnon has kind of, you know, gone underground. It, it, 
January 6th, bad look, bad branding for the whole QAnon brand. And so they've had to kind of go underground, change their look a little bit. Uh, One thing that we talked about them doing is, you know, competing for spots on school boards. So like trying to take practical steps to make their worldview that there's a satanic cabal controlling everything practical on a local level. Another way that it's metastasized is in the wellness and yoga and, you know, stay-at-home mom and alternate medicine communities. Some people are calling it pastel QAnon because of, like, the Instagram aesthetic that those communities usually adopt. But basically, the QAnon movement took the opportunity, took, like, the skepticism around vaccines and the pandemic and like just the discomfort caused by the pandemic and this idea of like bodily autonomy like that nobody can tell you what to do with your body and like turned use that as like kind of a toehold to introduce QAnon theories and there's this article in the LA Times and also in LA Magazine uh, about how you know, these people who are like yoga teachers and sound healers, and they're like, yeah, no, all of my friends are now part of QAnon. Like, I've had to move. And like, I think it's a helpful idea to like view the world on this continuum of like, from the East, like East Asia being more like collective minded, all the way to like California being the most individualistic minded of of people. I feel like that isn't explicitly true, like specifically true, but I think it can be like just broadly speaking somewhat true. And I think that makes Southern California and the whole like wellness movement and the rejection of like Western medicine, especially susceptible to some of these ideas. If there's a lot to exploit <laughs> within those communities, as somebody who who dabbles in and out of multiple crossovers of that community, that truly doesn't surprise me at all. And the more I think about how we are sourcing our information and the fact that there's really no guidelines anymore as far as like journalistic integrity is really just only applies to actual journalists and there's so much information being spread by people who might claim to be journalists, people who who claim to be knowledgeable on a subject and and people just sort of take it at face value. It's scary to think that there might be no end to this. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I I in the beginning I said like, oh, meditation is really under very underrated, but it's like, come on, now you're going to you're going to cue on <laughs> this thing too? Come on. Like give yep. me something, you know, like you colonized our countries, you colonized <laughs> our bodies. Now you're going to colonize our minds and our spirits and our psyches. Come on. Yeah. I mean, the this kind of yoga teacher leader in Southern California was talking about how she, like mid-pandemic, had like posted on social media and was like, look, I'm seeing a lot of these like dangerous QAnon ideas popping up and like kind of just laid out why they were bullshit And she saw, like, in the comment section, a lot of, like, QAnon evangelists, like, just putting their ideas down there, being like, actually, like, when you look at it this way, but, like, they use the language of the the ways that people uh, argue online, but it's, you know, it's just, it really is, like, metastasizing and, like, uh, evolving into a more effective weapon of disinformation. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, it's born of a form of privilege, like the ability to be civically disengaged from your local government because Mm -hmm. you don't think you need to be. And then like everything is just you and your version of of the world. And yeah, what's what's super interesting is watching these people like have to collide with the rest of the world every so often. Did you guys see there's a video floating around, I think yesterday, of a woman being hauled off of a Royal Caribbean cruise? Did you see no. She no, said what they, happened? They, she was determined to make viewers believe that Royal Caribbean faked her COVID results, which said she oh, was positive wow. for COVID. And she was like, I've already had COVID. And they're like, yep, yeah, 
ma'am, you can definitely get COVID again. She was like, they're trying to make me get vaccinated. They're like, you don't have to do anything but get off of our ship. Like, (laughs) you can't be here anymore. And it was like, it was so dramatic. She's like screaming through the ship and they eventually like literally had to force her off and put her on a plane, like a a medical plane to be taken back to the States. And we're seeing this continuously. People be like, I'm just not going to get vaccinated. That's fine, but you can't come in here now. Which I think on the one hand, is obviously the right choice. You can't be spreading this disease. It's it literally tears people's lungs apart. Like it's it's not something you can play with. But on the other hand, there's the thought of is this going to continue to drive even a further wedge between us? You know, or like this bar, you don't need vaccines. Like come in and just free spread. Like they were trying to do early right. on. They were like, oh, we'll do it like the chicken pox parties. Like just come in here <laughs> and catch it, and it'll be fine. Oh my god. What's crazy about that story is that people were still willing to get on cruises. <laughs> that like <laughs> how are people doing cruises after like what happened with the princess cruise that landed in the Bay Area? Like I I I'm just like, well, that's something I will never do again like in my life. I also wasn't pro cruise before the pandemic started. Say, so this is just like confirmed my anti-cruise sentiments. To go back to Jack's theory of like this space being the most individualistic, the the only positive thing about a cruise is an individual's experience of being on that cruise because the workers aren't getting paid anything. It's creating horrible results for the environment. And on top of all of that, they're cesspools for disease. Like, it's such a problem. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I don't understand why people are going on cruises, especially right now, either. Right. But you put right. a hole in that cruise ship and suddenly they get very collective minded. So I'm just saying, you know, maybe we start <laughs> sinking some of these cruise ships. That was not the lesson we learned from the Titanic, Jack. People did not come together. To I thought it really that. brought people together. I kind of liked what I saw there. Yeah, it brought, it brought the movie industry together. <laughs> As with many of the sort of most mind-breaking problems uh, that we see in the modern world, the engine for a lot of this, like I said, is social media, Instagram. So like in behind-the-scenes marketing training, these aspiring wellness influencers were told that, quote, being controversial, taking definitive positions that make people love you or hate you is a great way to build your brand. Wow, gosh, that is just and here I am spending 10 minutes humming and hawing about what I'm going to say as the most overrated thing so that (laughs) I'm not too controversial. Oh, man, I should have attended one of those marketing trainings. Yeah, I want to be I want to be upset at the advice, but I see it being true. Oh, it's absolutely true. Yeah, definitely just be as divisive as possible and then just really, really stick to your guns. And the people who enjoy you are really going to follow you. And then on top of that, people who hate you will follow you so that they can make sure that you know you're wrong. And that's all people are looking at is the end result of that number. How many people saw this? Uh, right. They're not really mm-hmm. looking at content at all. You know, that's kind of devastating. Yeah. Yeah. Great society you have there, uh, <laughs> America. Let's talk about some good news. So California approved a $35 million guaranteed in- income program. So as Joe Biden is on the international stage saying, Communism don't work and socialism isn't a good alternative. Jack, uh, California is actually implementing a very limited uh, but still pretty groundbreaking uh, state funded guaranteed income plan. The payments will be focused on qualifying pregnant people and young adults who recently left foster care. So it's a very limited like trial run. But the point is that these are these people are just being given money to spend it on the things that they feel they need to spend it on. It's not like means tested. It's not like tied to you're going out and getting a job and checking in with a parole officer or like whatever the fuck, you know, it's yeah. it's just money given to these people. And it passed through the state Congress. It was approved 36-0 and 64-0. And, you know, this article points out that the vote came on a day where the expanded child tax credit started hitting parents around the country, which is kind of another limited form of, you know, when you give people money, they know what to do with it. You don't have to tell them what to do with it. And giving people money generally makes their lives better and easier. And the lives of their community better. Yeah. Yeah. Spend money on products 
hopefully made within your community. You're giving that person a chance to invest in their passions, you know, which may not yet be profitable, but might down the line allow them to be not just independent, but creatively fulfilled, which makes them happier, which brings down domestic violence. <laughs> like there's just, it's a sea of change with something so simple as a dollar. And it's, it's still wild to me. The people are like, this is awful. You don't want them to work. It's like, there's never in the history of the world been people who are just like, I'm not going to work. I'm not interested in work. Even, even people who live lives of luxury and have everything they need typically find that they want to do something with the time that they have here. Maybe it's not, you know, the most giving or the, the most responsible thing for them to be doing, but people like to work. People like to create and involve themselves in activities. And so I, I think it's great. And I think it's particularly great that we're, we're starting with kids who age out of adoption or, or foster families those kids have such a difficult time getting started. And so to sort of put them first and give them opportunities to basically start their lives, like that's an incredible, you know, first round test. And I, I hope it goes well because California, you know, we're in the middle of a huge housing crisis, specifically here in LA County, specifically coming off of this pandemic. And on top of all of that, you know, we just have industries here tend to be less sustainable, particularly to new comers to Los Angeles, you know, P, like if when I was peeing, if I could have had a guaranteed income, life changing, literally yeah. life changing. It would have relieved so much stress. I could have, you know, been involved in the programs that have allowed me to be further in my career. Like there's just so much opportunity and development that can happen when you have a little bit of money to support you. Yeah, I think also, you know, this would actually help the healthcare system. Because if you have chronic illnesses, stress is only going to make it harder to deal with those illnesses. So stress mm. is actually a risk factor for getting sicker. And so, you know, more and more people would come in with health issues. If you reduce stress, you'd actually save the healthcare system money in that way, too. So, yeah. One thing that I, I saw kind of being bandied about as there's a slight uptick in minimum wage and as like some of these more you know, socialists leaning slightly uh, programs come out. People are, especially on the right, are talking about inflation. And I, th I think it's worth, I, I feel like people don't talk about inflation because it's usually like a thing that the right will blame on any policies that are slightly left-leaning. I think it's something that everybody should be aware of that like the world just in in the month of June got 5% more expensive to live in. It costs 5% more this month than it did last month to exist as a person in America. That's crazy. But yeah. how like how you why see an overall like... uptick in a lot of like staple needs so the price of gas has gone up. I think like a lot i think yeah. somebody said like nationally like 50 percent yeah and cars got really expensive so mm -hmm. used cars got really expensive and they're a big expense and so that like contributed to the uptick but you know also like food got more expensive and like it, it's just i feel like the default mainstream conversation around this just defaults to the right wing talking points like, well, this must be because like one company decided to pay more minimum wage. And it's actually like, well, how about the fact that we are just coming off of a pandemic that was like profoundly mismanaged and like put pressure on all uh, supply chains and mm -hmm. like created a drop and then a spike in demand for cars and just like all these things that like you could put the point point the finger anywhere but i just feel like it always comes back to because it's america they mm. there just is this inherent like knee-jerk anti-social safety net uh mm -hmm. bias that we always see it's wild for people to blame that on someone raising their minimum wage and to not take a look at like what ceos of the company are making and just completely dismiss the idea that that maybe if those guys made a little less and pay their employees a little bit more, right? That this would not it the, there would be a zero sum impact overall. Like it's this is not it, it's I don't know it's 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 
pay people what they're worth. It's so expensive to just be alive. You spend so much money just to be alive and then to Mm -hmm. constantly deny workers that on very arbitrary things like, oh, well, that job isn't complicated enough for you to make enough money to live. Shame on you. Like, wild. Mm. Mm. All right, let's take one more break and we will be right back. And we're back and, you know, just something we're keeping our eye on, obviously, and, you know, sending out thoughts to the people of Western Europe right now. There's just pretty mind-breaking pictures coming out of just these old, like, European villages that have been there for hundreds of years that are just, like, entire chunks of them are being washed away by this unprecedented flooding. This is one of the times where meteorologists are just like, Oh, yeah, no, it's climate change. Like, it's for, for sure climate change uh, <laughs> because, and this this is also an example of just one of those, like, small things that changes in one part of the world and then has a devastating impact elsewhere, apparently because of the jet stream, like a change in temperature in the ocean, basically, has caused a bunch of storms inland in Western Europe that would normally happen out over the ocean. And that's what is causing just entire chunks of Western Europe to just be washed away and, you know, hundreds of people to die. And it's probably eventually thousands. So it's probably something we're going to be seeing more and more of, unfortunately. But we we will see how they react to this in Europe. I think there's an election coming up in Germany where a lot of this is happening and people are pointing out that like climate hasn't even been a subject that people talked about in this election. So maybe that will change. All right, let's talk about some bullshit (laughs) and not in a disparaging term. Joelle, I know you uh, (laughs) are here to defend the Marvel cinematic universe because, you know, we, we were a little bit dismissive. So a, li- a little bit, a little bit. I was listening to the other, yesterday's episode and I was like, okay, wow, guys, wow. So first of all, <laughs> none of y'all watched it. So why talk right. about it? Um, <laughs> but two, I really think Loki has like, at first of all, I just want to make a small caveat before we get in here. Uh, this is not in defense of the Disney Corporation at all. It's Disney. <laughs> They're massive. They do what they do. I have no control over that. And I understand why some people have issues with Disney. I get it. I get it. This is not what we're talking about here. Talking very specifically about my love for comic books and the incredible range of what has happened from picking up like monthly comic book series and following them for literally years. Comics will sometimes number in the 700s. So that means your granddaddy could be reading the same storyline that you are currently picking up on. I think the way comic books have formed as an American art form is up there with jazz as far as being like, this is strictly American and it's beautiful. It says a lot about who we are as a community, both the good and the bad. And these heroes that we've created are literally our Greek gods, our ancient myths come absolutely. to life and, and absolutely set a tone for what, again, we as a society, maybe not as individuals, view as the ideal human. And again, there's a lot to critique in there. What does that mean when all of our human, like all of our aspirations are hyper fit, fist first? discussions later kind of individuals and you can absolutely break all of that down but there's something just from an artistic standpoint that is absolutely mind-boggling of how they took what was you know a 30-page book and took it you know a 30-page book monthly and brought it to the screen Mm -hmm. and do it almost every three to six months and a continued storyline that you can choose to be invested in but like comic books you can also just jump in and enjoy as a singular unit. WandaVision was like the most watched show in America. Statistics aside, things are kind of crazy. You can look at Disney Plus's uh, stats in all of streaming. They're still pretty low, but they just launched last year. So I think that those sort of discussions need time to sort of flush out. Netflix has like a 15-year gain on them. But what they've done in creating specifically these shows during the pandemic and and glimpsing these like side characters mm-hmm. positioning them as so like feature characters broadening their stories gives 
viewers like me who've seen every part of the MCU, like this rich tome of cinematic glory. And on top of that, they're hiring a ton of women to make these shows and not just in foreground roles. You know, they brought in Lady Loki for this new series. You know, Wanda got, you know, that's the very first streaming show they created. And it was a woman. And I think that was sort of a rough decision for a company that took forever to bring a Black Widow movie to the screen. Mm. But they're also doing it as directors, showrunners, composers. Like, women are really dominating and actively involved in creating this universe. And that, to me, as a woman who really is vested in film and television creation, who knows and is friends with a lot of women either in it or struggling to get in, struggling to stay in, is really, really important from a company that is absolutely monopolizing this industry. It's really vital that while they're in this position, that they're offering roles to a lot of different people you know, because otherwise we're just going to be out of it, period. Mm-hmm. And on top of all of that, Loki is just really good. It's just really good. Like, take all of the politics and, and, and I don't know, theory and everything. Like, Loki, the television show, is just solid writing. And on top of that, solid performances from actors who've been in the game for a very long time. Wenmi Masaku, who, if you watched Lovecraft Country, she was in that. She's sort of been everywhere. She's I don't have words to describe the talent that this woman brings to the screen, but she is a down performer and watching her throughout this series and knowing that she might come back for bigger and better things is, it's so thrilling. (laughs) And then you get Loki is like an entire series about what is it to find self-love. And as we talked about individualism throughout this entire episode, Loki is an admitted narcissist. This is the essence of the character pre his Marvel entrance you know, this is a self-obsessed guy who likes playing tricks on people. And he's blossomed into this guy who's questioning his entire existence and what it's for. They get into philosophy and theory of religion. They start questioning, you know, who created you and what does that mean? And are you stuck on the path that, you know, someone else has laid for you? Or can you veer off of that? And if you do veer off of that, what does that look like? It is so complex and fun and like just everything, everything, everything. Someone is who's just inside of herself a nerdy comic book kid who would rather be reading comics on the floor of her bedroom than doing anything else Mm. to see it blossom into this it's just been transformative and i do get you know as i mentioned already i'm a little bit emotional as a human being i get some people are just like no this is not art and it's not good and oh my god is toby Maguire coming back so foolish listen toby Maguire is not confirmed we don't know if he's coming back it's very much a possibility because there are many Spider-Men across many different universes and we know that the multiverse action is coming. So maybe he's coming, maybe he's not. We don't know. But I think it's so much bigger than all of that. I think it's it's just an entire community of creators has moved into another community and succeeded and done it so well and so beautifully. And I have to sometimes just stand back away from everything and just Ha, Marvel and <laughs> everything that's been hey. created across this timeline. That's my spiel. <laughs> <laughs> Good I spiel. I love it. Very nice. Good yeah. Yay. Priyanka, are you a MCU fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Marvel. Have not seen Loki yet, but planning on doing so. And you're right, Joelle. Like, it's this whole different world that you can enter and the lessons that you can learn. I mean, when I saw WandaVision, I was so I was like, oh, this is a story about holding your pain. This is a story about recovering from grief. Yes. And it was so it was like I did not expect it to be that profound in that aspect but that to me it's like how how can you not call this art i mean well and then through the lens of what i've dubbed as like depression tv which are the 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 shows you (laughs) like the shows you sink into when you're like i don't really want to think too much and i want to know what happens at the end so there's no scary bad surprises right that's what the sitcom is and and so to view it through that lens and and again through the scope of like how americans viewed themselves throughout each decade Mm. and then using that as a template for how we evolve through our grief. Like, 
my, it's so good. It's like brilliant. someone thought of that. <laughs> yeah, it really is brilliant. It's so, so true. Yeah, I've enjoyed, you know, the MCU world and and yeah, no, I I'm totally like yeah, Joel preach. You are preaching. <laughs> yeah, and so. I think it was someone in Variety who said, you know, sometimes Marvel has a challenge being more than the sum of its parts, and by that they mean at the end of each Marvel property, whether it's a film or a television show or whatever, even in the comic books you have to set up for the next thing because it is ongoing. The end is not the goal. It's always about yeah. pushing on to the next storyline. And so to that point, like as much as I love WandaVision, there's absolutely really good critique about the way that show ends. And like you basically mind kidnapped people for months at a time. And all they did was look at you, me. And she's like, wow, that's really awful. And then escaped. <laughs> what? <laughs> right. what? Well, not a lot for consequences, but, Again, the joy in having something that's that ongoing, and it almost, almost feels like the origins of oral storytelling, right? If you look yes. at old societies before we were writing things down, we were constantly telling and retelling these stories. And that's all, to me anyway, that comic book characters have sort of become America's oral storytelling. This idea of we're just going to keep reusing these same superheroes to analyze where we are as a culture in this right. moment. And I... Right. I also know that because these stories are constantly evolving, no character fully escapes the flaws that occurred in their previous mentions, yeah. right? You can rewrite in, in a form in a later iteration, you can rewrite what has happened. You can and by rewrite I just mean you can actually give consequences. You can explain away things that don't quite make sense. Star Wars did this really well with like, why when a stormtrooper gets shot, they have all this armor on. They get shot and just fall down. And it's like, it didn't go through. It's just a blast pattern on your armor. It's not yeah. making sense to me, right? So they were like, uh, well, when the Empire took over the clones and started kidnapping children to become soldiers, you know, they, they didn't put as much money and thought into the armor. And so now they just go down. There's, it's just, it's cheap because the Empire doesn't care about people. They're replaceable. Holy, now it all makes sense. <laughs> and you can watch the old versions and still love it. And that's what I love about fandom. Like, to me, I just, I'm so enamored with fandom. Uh, groups of people coming together to try to tell stories. It, it, it expands beyond what is canon and goes into, you know, fan fiction. Goes into things that have been retired that people individually have not let go. And then rebirth. It's just... To me, it's the core essence of what makes storytelling so good and lovely and fun and full of, like, escape. And as much as I think it's important that we be present and active and and try to make our world and our neighborhoods better, I also understand the absolute essential necessity of escape. And to me, Marvel is one of the greatest escapes. Like, I, I love sinking away into a good Marvel piece. I love that weekly, like, going into my comic book store and having waited four weeks for the new issue to come out. I can see a new episode of Loki and be like blown away by what all the people have put into this show and made. And I just think, I just think it's really beautiful. It made me sad that Miles, who I love, was like, no, boo. They just want Tony <laughs> McGuire back. It makes no sense. Right. So again, my spiel. <laughs> yeah. This is much more in keeping with the philosophy of the show than our conversation at the end of last week when we were just like, yeah, I haven't seen a dude of you. Nah. All right. Well, whatever. <laughs> yeah. No, everything like these characters are hugely important archetypes in like probably as important as like our presidents, like everything you need to know about American conservatism, you can learn from Batman. Like there's, there's a reason we keep returning to these same characters over and over and the people who keep returning to them over and over keep making so much fucking money off of it is because they occupy a very central role in like the collective consciousness of of the country. So they're important. It's important to think about them. I do want to just briefly get to another, I think, important archetype in the collective unconscious, which is monsters and the monsters that we're into, oh. because so Luca, uh, the Pixar movie, was seen by the equivalent of $160 million worth of uh, box office of eyeballs on Disney+. Plus. So that's one that we'll be streaming in the coming months and, you know, evaluating how it relates to the zeitgeist. But I finally watched the last kind of streaming movie to 
be watched by that many people, which was Army of the Dead on Netflix, which is a Zack Snyder zombie movie, which is has a lot of like zombie cliches, a lot of cool zombie deaths, a lot of rotting flesh. And then they put it all on the skeleton of a heist movie, which makes it fun, a, a Vegas heist movie. You know, you it it gives you everything you expect, like from a Zack Snyder movie, secondhand embarrassment. The movie climaxes with the cranberry song zombie uh played like <laughs> no! earnest as fuck. No, <laughs> But I I think zombies. So zombies, we uh, we've talked before. There's a cultural theory that zombies represent like how liberal Americans view Republicans as like this sort of mindless droning horde of like crowds that are coming for you. And I I think there's some truth to that. Uh, I think that this movie kind of makes sense of that and it also like you know we've had the zombie movies in malls which are like sort of the ultimate symbol of or where the ultimate symbol of consumerism and vegas is a pretty good symbol of consumerism too Mm. wow yeah but i i do feel like zombies are going to like now that we've had the january 6th failed insurrection and like just seeing the violence and havoc that conservative masses can cause. I, I do feel like we probably have a zombie movies have a bright future in in the country. <laughs> That's so interesting, Jack, because I was thinking almost the exact opposite, not because of, you know, from a, a political standpoint, they make it like a really good symbol. I mean, truly throughout the history of cinema, but because we're straight coming out of a pandemic and I wonder how we're going to want to or if we'll want to explore the spread of disease in that yeah. way. Oh, yeah. You know, there, if we look at, like, post-1920s Spanish flu era, all the art that comes out after that is, like, far away removed from anything pandemic-related. never happened. Don't talk about <laughs> it. We yeah, yeah. passed. Too many people died. We're too scarred. Leave it alone. So, I, but I don't know. We we've already seen a couple of people during the pandemic try to make movies about the pandemic that haven't really gone well. Right. Uh, not enough time to process what was happening. Uh, so, but I, I I I have a feeling that we're going to want to, and and given the recent success of shows like Ted Lasso, really lean hard into like positive, upbeat sort of things. At least For that's sure. my guess of what studios will be wanting to purchase. Maybe on the indie circuit, we'll have a, a 1970s era movement of independent people saying, no, this is the truth and you need to hear it. Uh, and here's great movies, which would be great. I would really appreciate it. Yeah. What, how does it feel when you have you when you guys watch shows that reference the pandemic? How does it sit with you? Mm. Uh, usually pandering sort of is how I feel like it. Like, oh, it's really so sad what we're going through and it's awful. It's so hard. But, like, love is there. So we're going to be all right. It's temporary. Uh, it seems to be the same message from everybody as opposed to sort of how I've experienced the pandemic, which was either, I mean, I don't live alone, but still very isolated from yeah. the rest of the world mm-hmm. and or, like, horrified at the lack of control I have with how bad things are being handled around me. You know, you're, you're literally locked into your box watching everyone make horrifying decisions, you know, watching people who I really enjoy their company, like go to vineyards and stuff. And like, what are you doing? It's, <laughs> it is June, 2020. Like you should be in the house for sure. We're still washing groceries. Like this is very scary. Please come home. Right. Yeah. I, I definitely don't feel like anyone has had anything artistic or interesting to reveal about what we lived through. The best thing I've read about this pandemic is like a book from the, I think it's like the 50s Camus. I think it's called The Plague. But I read that in the early days and like that felt like it was very poignant and very uh, didn't feel like shitty like, the way that like people trying to talk about this current pandemic feels where mm-hmm. it's, you know, because it's about a different thing, because it's about a different plague, but it's still like covering a lot of the same stuff. Army of the Dead, like, even though it had some of those things, like, one, 
So there's a camp of people who are basically migrants from like fleeing Vegas and they're like held and uh, tested with a temperature gun frequently. And like that's a, I think, a reference to, you know, the temperature guns that we all got familiar with during the pandemic. But it never really like felt like it was overtly like trying to comment on the pandemic in any way which i think was good like we've had zombie movies for long before Mm -hmm. and as far as i know you don't pass COVID 19 by biting someone on the arm (laughs) but i can't i can't say for sure (laughs) how about you do you have you like has that bothered you at all yeah it kind of has i i remember i was watching an episode of gray's anatomy and I usually, full disclosure, I usually do not watch Grey's Anatomy because mm-hmm. it, it hits too close to home and I, I overanalyze things. But a friend of mine reached out to me and was like, you need to watch this one specific episode from season blah, blah, blah. Like, I need. And anyways, they it's like, yeah, they they make the episode. So it's like, these are people living in the pandemic and da, 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 da. And I don't know. It was kind of like, come on. Like, I don't. Like, I want to not I'm watching this because I don't want to like I'm trying to escape. Right. So it's like you're bringing it back in. It's like I know the pandemic has like shown very clearly like the disparities in our social structures and healthcare outcomes and all this stuff. But yeah, it just sort of like I could feel my body kind of tightening a little bit because I was it just it was like, yeah, a reminder of the reality. But I mean, you know, maybe that, you know, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world that we're being reminded of our reality. But that's not usually why I turn on Netflix, you know? Right. Yeah, totally. I also feel like the commercials from early in the pandemic, there's like this now more than ever aesthetic that I just like can't. That's so true. I can't help but like associate any pandemic based thing with anyways. Yeah. Army of the Dead, five stars worth watching. Sounds like Loki, five stars worth watching. All these things are worth watching. Well, Priyanka, it's been such a pleasure having you on the Daily Zeitgeist. Oh, Uh, thank you. It's it's been a it's been a blast. Thank you so much for having me. Where can people uh, find you and follow you and. Yeah, yeah. So um, I actually am co-host of my own podcast. It's called Hypochondriactor. (laughs) It's uh, with me and Sean Hayes. And every uh, week we interview a celebrity with a medical illness. So we just interviewed Dax Shepard for this week. And so you can find me on that. I'm also on Twitter at Wally Priyanka and Instagram and Facebook and all the all those social media feeds that are making the world a better place. There you go. And is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying? Yeah, actually, I found this tweet that is from James the Tang. And he says, my mom said we should speak Thai in public so we don't get targeted for speaking Mandarin. And I think it's so sweet that she's nice enough to believe that these stupid fucking racists can differentiate between Asian languages. Yes. Idealist. Joelle, where can people find you and what's a tweet you've been enjoying? You guys know me. I'm Joelle Monique. You can find me all over the internet at Joelle Monique. That's J-O-E-L-L-E-M-O-N-I-Q-U-E. A tweet I've been enjoying comes from Franklin Leonard. If you don't know him, he started The Blacklist, which is a bunch of screens plays that couldn't be produced. Uh, he featured them, and now every year one of them wins an Academy Award. It's incredible. <laughs> uh, so his tweet goes like this. Surprise! When you ask me for names of Black writers to partner with a senior white screenwriter to tell a Black story... I'm going to suggest that the white screenwriters step aside and do everything in their power to make sure that the black writer succeeds and gets solo credit. This is a man walking his walk and talking his talk Mm. and actively using his power to put people who are disenfranchised who would often be asked like, oh, help me with this script and then get no credit. That means your name is not on the awards when they get announced. It means when you go in to interview for the next writing job, they're going to ask you what you did. And basically all you can say is I punched it up and they're going to consider that not having written the script at all. It is horrible to constantly ask people of color to come in and support your projects because you want to make sure that you're not being offensive. 
Right. Don't do that. Just give them the money and tell them to go write the story. It's that easy. You are probably still going to get a producer credit and still make your money. Everyone could be making money. Don't be greedy mm -hmm. and don't take black people's perspectives just because you know it's popular right now. It's dumb Preach. and annoying. Yeah. Mm. The power to Franklin Leonard for, for being that person and making the change he wants to see. Yeah. Mm. One of the greats. Uh, former guest on Daily Zeitgeist. King. Tweet I've been enjoying at Brow Tweeting. Uh, tweeted Bear robbing a bank. Stick him up. Teller raises hands. Bear nervous. How'd you get so big? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> uh, and then Iris at Jest underscore Iris tweeted I was today years old when I realized Roomba is an anagram of a broom. And that just <gasps> blew my mind. You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episode and our footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. And uh, today, with Miles out, super producer Anna Hosnier is providing the song we recommend, which is Ditch by Empara Me. So Ditch by Empara Me, we will link off to that in the footnotes. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do it for us this morning, but we will be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye.